You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We know that God's doing good things. And uh, so as pastor, I just want to say it's okay. But I'm glad you're here today and we want to have church, right? We want to have church. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Book of Acts. Chapter number 16, the book of Acts, chapter number 16. What a busy week. Last Friday, I was privileged to be at the uh, local Midwestern district for the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World over at Greater Grace with Bishop Jones, Bishop Wells, and some others was privileged to be a part of their uh, district convention happening on a regional level. Saturday night, we were at a a uh, apostolic singles meeting in Cahokia with singles from all over the country. And then Sunday we were here and then we traveled up to Iowa. We were in Iowa for the district convention up there. And then we spent the last three days in Bloomington, Illinois, and God just blessed so much. And we thank God for that. And one thing that I've picked up everywhere just in the last little bit I know God is good and God has blessed us, but one thing that I've sensed is that there is a reality of, let's say, I don't want to say a heaviness, but there is a weariness that seems to be resting right now a little bit upon the church and ministry in particular, nationwide, just dealing with things, burdens that we're carrying. It's the reality of what we're walking through right now in this season. Now, God is no less powerful than He's always been and will always be. And the praise of the church is no less than it's always been and will always be. But sometimes there is pressures and there's a change, there's a shift. And we're feeling that. We are feeling that. And I want to take us to Acts chapter 16. I can't get away from this this morning, so I'm going to preach, amen, by the help of the Lord, maybe a little bit different, but I want to preach to you a simple thought today. We'll read just two verses of Scripture, and then we'll go back and we'll look all throughout the chapter. Acts 16 and verse number 9 and verse number 10. In verse number 9, Luke is writing here, And he says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. That was it. That was the vision. And after he had seen the vision immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. God gave a window of a vision to Paul. He would give him six visions. This would be the second one that Paul would see. And simply in the vision, there's a man. Everybody say a man. A man in Macedonia saying, come, help us. And that was it. That was all of the vision. And so because they were obedient to God already, they were obedient again to the Lord. And he said, immediately we endeavored to go. Immediately we followed after God. 
And I feel like today that that is the heartbeat of most of the people in this room today. You have already been obedient to the Lord and you have a desire to be obedient to the Lord. Some of us were waiting for that specific direction or clarity or calling or purpose. And when God gives it, we are ready. We are quick to embrace it. Yes, Lord, I'll give what you want me to give. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. But I want to preach to you today this thought, and that is this. There's more to the story. There's more to the story. Would you lay your Bibles down and let's pray one more time. God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the grace that we feel in this house. And I pray in these next few moments that your Holy Ghost would help us today, God. We come ready. We come obedient, Lord. And I pray, God, you just help us today. We want to encourage somebody. We want to strengthen somebody this morning. Let your spirit have your way in Jesus' name. And somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Amen. Before you're seated. Before you're seated, amen, in this place. God bless you. You may be seated. There's more to the story. In life, we all encounter unexpected things along the road and along the journey. Many times in our travels, we would, we, we would live, we were privileged to travel about eight years or more, a uh, little over eight years, two different times combined uh, to travel the nation. And I, when I started out, I'm going to tell my age here to all of those uh, those young ones in the house today. I, I, I remember living with a Rand McNally map in my car. Does anybody remember those maps? Those, you don't even know what that is, Brother Brandon. You're not that young. A Rand McNally map. This big book that you could open up. You remember driving down the road and seeing people with a map on the steering wheel? You could barely see over it, but just enough to figure out how. And I lived by a Rand McNally map. When you're on the road, you waited for that next new, newest edition to come out. Normally, I would pick it up at Walmart because on it, it had updated rest stops along the highway and updated construction zones along the highway. We lived by that, and I would map my route out. There was, this was before MapQuest was even a thing. And then MapQuest came along, and that helped out a lot. You could just put point A, point B, and it printed out, sometimes in 25 pages, but it printed out the directions that you were to take. And so there were inevitably unexpected things along the journey because the line didn't tell you. And now... It's even more so because we just put a destination in and we don't take any mind to which way it's taking us. We're just following the, the right turn here and the left turn here and there and we go. I, I remember one time I was in Arkansas. I was in Arkansas with my brother-in-law, Paul Price, and we were in northwest Arkansas and we wanted to go kayaking. So we strapped uh, kayaks to the top of the SUV and we, we, we traveled down. We found our way to, I think it was the White River, and we did eight miles that day. It was an awesome ride. And on the way, Back out, uh, headed back to his house, he put in, this was, this has probably been, I'm telling on myself, I don't know, it's been at least 10 years ago, and uh, he just put, 
I didn't even have a, uh, uh, I don't think I even had an iPhone 10 years ago. I was a latecomer to the game. And he put in there the destination. He put his home address and it charted us a different way from what I had charted out on my Rand McNally map. And so we followed that. But 11, 10, 11 is probably 11 years ago. 11 years ago in Arkansas, when you put the destination in there, it was still figuring out things because we took off and we're driving down and then we turned off on a gravel road and then that gravel road got narrower and we're out in the middle of the woods and climbing through the hills on our way back to Rogers, Arkansas. And then that gravel road turned into a dirt road with a grass patch down the middle of the lane. And then we came upon a creek. I'm not making this up. We came upon a creek and there we, we could either drive an hour back to the main road or we could put that thing in four wheel drive. And we went right on through that creek and we came on out of there and made our way home. I remember another time we were out in Utah. We decided we were hiking in Zion National Park. Luca was just a baby, five months old. And that day we went hiking the first day, it was 104 degrees. And so the next day we said, we got to find somewhere else to hike. So we decided we'd go to Bryce Canyon, which was much cooler. And on our way there, we just charted out a little road. We weren't even following the GPS, just taking the, the most scenic route. And along the road, there was this little sign that said lava flow. And we threw the car in reverse, backed up, went over there and drove out. And there was a thousand year old lava flow didn't even know existed. And Luca was asleep in the car, so we left him in the car in the wilderness by himself. And Janelle and I <laughs> went out hiking on the lava. Literally, I mean, we could see the car. It wasn't like we left him by himself. Let me explain this. If you've never hiked on a lava flow, where a lava flow comes, there are no trees, there's nothing left. So as far as you go, you can still see the car. And we hiked along there. And that was interesting. But there's unexpected things along the journey. And those unexpected things are what make the journey. They are what we talk about. They are what we refer back to. And sometimes those unexpected things are blessings and sometimes they are things that we would rather forget. Yeah. Yeah. This is the reality of our lives. And this is the reality true also of our walk with God. Yeah. And here we come to the book of Acts chapter number 16. And I don't want to spend too much time today before I can make the main point of this message. And here in the book of Acts, we have, if you will, the highlight reel. I enjoy uh, the highlight reel. I, 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 uh, I, I'm a person, I don't have the patience to watch long things, and so I take in certain sports this way. I go to YouTube and I look for the highlights. And you can watch something that's really long in a condensed version. Just get the highlights and the high points. And that's how I enjoy a lot of things, the highlights. If we would, Acts is the highlights, if you will. Let's say the extended highlights of the New Testament church. 
And we see some highs and we see some lows and there's a whole lot of space in between, but it's the highlights. And and when we read Acts, we are inspired and we are motivated. It teaches us everything that we need to know. There's nothing that, that it's leaving out missing that we need to know. It gives us everything that we need to know. And one of the things that are so, that is so prominent in the book of Acts is the preeminence, if you will, of the spirit of the Lord. Not only in our life personally, not only that we must be born again of water and of spirit, that we must have the spirit of God living inside of our heart as established right off in the very beginning in Acts chapter 2 when they all received the gift of the Holy Ghost and all of them, amen, we're speaking in other tongues. We thank God for that. But it also lets us know the preeminence of the spirit of God. God in our life for every decision that we make, that we go when God says go and that we stop when God says stop and that we stay when God says stay and that when God says yes, we wholeheartedly receive it, but also when God says no, we trust God. I wonder if there's anybody in here that'd be honest enough to tell that God has told you no before. God has told me no. Sometimes his no's are more pronounced than his yeses. God has spoken no. This was the case in Acts chapter 16. We come to the passage of Scripture here. And in Acts chapter 16, Paul is on his second missionary journey. He is traveling around here, and God's doing great things. He's taken Timothy, uh, his son in the gospel, with him on the missionary journey. Timothy, by the way, was his mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. And so Timothy had, uh, uh, he was interracial, if you will, and he had access into both cultures, which was an incredible, Incredible asset on the mission field. And so Paul travels with Timothy, Paul and Silas, and there's others. Obviously, Luke would come along on the scene as well and record this. And as they're going along, the Bible says in verse number six, now when they had gone through Phygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and they were come to Mysia, and they essayed to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Here they wanted to go into Asia, or what we would call today, Asia Minor, as you would. And they wanted to go. They were, he, he had a desire to go preach the gospel and the Holy Ghost said no. And then he wanted to go into Bithynia, which was a closer part, closer than Galatia. And the Holy Ghost said no. Sometimes the no's that God gives us are not for always. Sometimes they are for always, but then other times they're not for always. They're just for right now. Because later on, Paul in his later missionary journey would go into Galatia and into Bithynia, and he would go there and he would preach the gospel. But, but on this occasion, God said no. God said no. And I thank God that, that, that the Bible records that they were obedient to the word of the Lord. Let me say this right now. You will note in the next verse that there came a vision 
to Paul. In that vision, there was calling. In that vision, there was purpose. In that vision, there was direction. But that vision did not come until first there was obedience in their life. If you are here today and you're looking for calling and you're looking for purpose and you're looking for direction, can I tell you don't skip or miss the step of obedience to the Lord in your life. Don't miss the step of saying, God, I'll be obedient to whatever you say, whatever you will, whatever you purpose in our hearts. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. We must be obedient. So when they were obedient, then came the vision. And the vision was this. Here was a man. A man. Saying, come and help us. Come over into Macedonia. It was very specific. Macedonia and help us. Here was a specific vision that they had and immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. God will speak to us, I believe, sometimes in generalities, but then God also will speak to us specifically. He can speak to you specifically. There's many generalities that the Word of God gives to us, and in that you can, you can know what to do, but there's also times where God will come down and He will speak into your life specifically. I thank God that He cares enough with the details of my life to be able to speak to me specifically. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house right now on this moment. I'm here to tell somebody today that God has spoken and God is speaking to someone here today. I believe specifically He's giving you details of what's going to happen in your life, of where you're going, of what He wants you to do. Those things can be daunting. Sometimes we can get excited about that. God says, Macedonia, all right, immediately. Come on, let's get ready. Pack the bags. We're going right now. But the reality is there's more to the story. God speaks specifically, but very rarely ever do you see all of the details. Right, right, right. We don't like that. How many are detail-oriented? I'm the kind of person, this is just my personality. My, my wife is much better than I am. Because we're going on a trip, she doesn't worry. She just sits in the passenger seat. She reclines that chair a little bit. Every vehicle we've ever owned has a testimony of her comfort. <laughs> Toe prints on the windshield. There are toe prints on every windshield in every vehicle we ever have on the passenger side. She's relaxed. We're good. It's fine. Not me. I want to know where we're going. While she's driving, I'm on Google Maps checking ahead to see if the traffic is slowing down. No, but thank you. Thank you, Sister Nichols. Thank you so much. I got one person here today. 
I want to know the details. I want to know everything. I'm checking to find out. We're going to be, I'm calculating when we're hungry, when we need to go to the bathroom, when we need gas. And I'm searching. I spend most of my time in the car on maps trying to figure out where the best place is to stop. Not my wife. We'll drive past the, we'll be out west, drive past the nicest exit, and there's not another exit for 70 miles. We'll be halfway there, and she'll say, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Oh, I need gas. She's so relaxed. I'll never forget one time we, I was sleeping and I wake up and I, I, I learned, leaned my head over and the gas light was on. The gas light's on. And she looks down and says, oh, it is. <laughs> I said, how long has it been on? I don't know. I pull it up. We're 30, we're 30 miles to the next gas station. And I'm like, okay, slow down to 55. Set your cruise. Let's, let's use oxim, uh, maximum or, 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 or uh, uh, whatever, the best economy of gas to get there. I'm praying, Lord, help us. And we coast, we're coasting down, and, and we literally stutter into the gas station. It's like, you know, gurgling at that last moment. And I'm like, throw it into neutral. And we're like rolling right up there. And then we get there, and she puts it in park and says, see, there was nothing to worry about. That's, but not me. I want to know specifically. Yes. So for all of you that God says do this and you're just relaxed, and I'm not preaching to you today. I'm preaching to those people that you want to know all the details. God says, come, and you've got direction, and now you want to know all of the details, and I'm here to tell you there's more to the story. It seems like that this is sort of a frame, the way that God works in this. He tells us about the promised land. He preaches about the victory. He tells us about the promised land and all the things, but he doesn't tell us about the wilderness. He preaches the promised land so that we'll be willing to get up out of Egypt and we'll be willing to follow his voice. He preaches the promised land so we'll walk through the Red Sea. He preaches the promised land so we'll follow the manna every morning. But God doesn't always tell us about the wilderness. There's more to the story. And so there was a vision, a man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. I want to highlight some things in this vision. There's a man in Macedonia saying, come help us. We read down in the text, look at what it says here. In verse 11, therefore loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, that's an island in the middle of the sea, the Mediterranean, on their way over up into uh, Philippi in that area, uh, uh, what does it say? And from thence uh, we went to uh, Nepalis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and the colony, which we were in that city abiding certain days. So here they leave, they're excited, they're in the boat, they're going over, they stopped on the island overnight, it was better there to be at night and to try to get through, and then they get up and they journey on. They're going to the biggest city in Macedonia, that's Philippi, and they come there to the biggest port, um, Neapolis, and they're there, and when they get there, what are they looking for? 
a man. Thank you, Sister Larissa. I'm glad that you picked up on that detail. They're looking for a man in Macedonia that says, come help us. But when they get to Macedonia, there are so few men that are desiring God that all they find is a bunch of women. And you say, what's the significance of that? Here's the significance. If there were men, if there were just 10 men that were the heads of their household that believed in God, that were following after God, they could have established a synagogue. But there was no synagogue in this city because there were no men that were believing God. And so look at what it says. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Here's what would happen in that time when there was no synagogue. Those Jews that were there, those that did believe God, they would go out to an open place, and often it would be by the sea or by a waterway, and they would go there and they would worship and they would pray and they they would talk about the things of God. And so when, when Paul and Silas and Timothy come, there is no man. And so they come to that place and there all they can find is a group of women. And so they come there and they go and they begin to pray and they begin to worship and they begin to preach and they begin to expound things. And while they are preaching to the women that believe in God, there was another woman which heard them, and her name was Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God. She's a Gentile, just like Cornelius. She worshiped God, and the Bible says that she heard them. She heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. He goes on, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful of the Lord, come to my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Here is what I came to preach. There is more to the story. God can give you a vision, but that vision does not always work out the way you think it should work out or the way you think it ought to work out. And so God gave a vision. Brother Caraway, you've lived this out. God gave you a vision and you responded to a vision. But that first year in Waterloo hasn't seemed like what we thought it was going to seem like. It hasn't worked like what we thought. Come on, anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? God gave you a vision. God spoke some things in your life. He gave you some specific details, but it hasn't played out the way you thought it would play out. There's more to the story. And I'm here to preach to somebody here today. God may have shown you the promised land, but he didn't map you the details of the wilderness because it's in that wilderness time that we learn about him. It's in that wilderness time that we learn he's a provider. It's in that wilderness time that we learn he's our defender. It's in that wilderness time that we learn he's a way maker. It's in that wilderness time that we learn that he is the great I am. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
God uses the wilderness to teach us things. There's more to that story. Amen. And here in this case, God was not using the wilderness just to teach them something, but He was also using the wilderness to be able to reach someone else in their life. And so here it was. Now, why did God give Paul a vision and use a man? Because I'm going to step out on a limb. This isn't in the text, but I'm going to step out on the limb and say that if God gave Paul a vision and used a woman, he probably wouldn't have listened. Because in their culture, it was not in their culture that they would listen. He was, he was of the strictest sect of the Pharisees. He, he, he was used to listening to a rabbi. He was used to listening to the voice of a man. And so God sends a man in Macedonia saying, come help. And it wasn't something that he was following after his flesh. But okay, God, I'll go. But when he showed up, there wasn't even a man in Macedonia. Right. right. And that's where we find ourselves often and we could say, God, did you make a mistake? Or God, did I hear you wrong? That's what I'm preaching at. That's the point I'm preaching at. Sometimes the vision doesn't play out the way we thought it should play out. And so all of a sudden now we begin to question the vision. God, was that really you? God, did you really speak? But if you can stand on the word and say, I know what God said. It may not, I may not understand everything, but I'm just going to go with what God has done. The Bible said there was a great revival there that Lydia and all of her household were baptized. God began to move. I'm going to tell you, if God would have told him, go down and you go meet Lydia and you go preach to Lydia, he may have been intimidated. But God found a way. You preach Friday morning at camp. And on your message, you talked about Peggy, and you talked about Josh, and you talked about how Josh said a few months ago to Peggy, Peggy, who would have ever believed that somebody that used to teach catechisms and somebody that used to be an altar boy in the Catholic church would be a part of a Pentecostal church in Waterloo. Amen. God will do what you can't believe. God can fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you say can't be filled. God will use, hallelujah, God will bring things to pass. So here's now a woman. All of her household is baptized. Still not enough. Still not enough. So what do they do? They stay a few days, and i got to preach on quick. i got to go. i got to hasten on. They, they preached more days, and as they did, there was a lady that was possessed with devils. And she came up and she started following behind them saying, these men are of God. She was saying the right thing. But these men are of God. These men are of God. But she wasn't doing it in a way that was because of the anointing of the Lord or giving glory to God. She was doing it in a way sort of to endorse them for her own approval's sake. For those that were with her. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's an interesting thing in itself. Sometimes things that are against the church will come along and try to endorse the church, not to endorse the church, but trying to validate their own selves. Yeah. This is what was playing out in that place. So finally, Paul gets tired of it and he turns around and he rebukes her and he rebukes the devil out of her. And the devil comes out. And when the devil comes out, there was great fear and people saw things. And there was such a revival in that area that, how many know faith affects your finances? 
They stopped spending money in the pagan way in that city, and the magistrates got so upset. They weren't upset as long as Paul and Silas were preaching to the women Get me out by the river. They didn't mind what they were saying, but the moment that it started affecting the local economy, the moment it started affecting money, that's where the persecution came. So they took Paul and Silas, you know the story, and they threw Paul and Silas in prison. And in prison, Paul and Silas could have said, wait a minute, God. Did I do something wrong? Did I really hear from you? But I'm here to preach to somebody there's more to the story. God called you, and now they find themselves in prison. There's more to the story. Prison was never a part of the vision. But prison was absolutely a part of God's purpose. Now, I know that's not a point where you run the aisles. (laughs) That's not a point we get excited about. But that's the reality of the vision working in our life. And so they get in prison, and we can talk about this. What do they do? Not only does faith affect your finances, but faith affects your praise. Your spiritual maturity will never be more illustrated than your mouth. Your spiritual maturity, your faith will never be more illustrated than what comes out of your mouth. And at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises. They could have said, God, we made a mistake. God, we were wrong. We should have gone to Asia. What were we thinking? Maybe it wasn't really the Holy Ghost that told me no. Maybe maybe the vision was something I just made up in my mind. But no, they knew what God had done, and so they just kept on worshiping. And at midnight, they sang praises. You know the story. The earthquake comes. The prison doors open. They walk out. The keeper of the prison comes in. He's, he's ready to kill himself. And because this was a, a, he, would have been, he would have been murdered, he would have been held accountable. And they come in and say, no, don't do this. And so finally he comes back and the keeper of the prison comes to them. And look at what it says here in chapter number 16 and verse number, uh, uh, let's go here. Here we are. Let's go uh, in verse number 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, verse 30, and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul is in prison at midnight and now we find the man. The man in Macedonia saying, help us, is found in a prison. I'm here to tell somebody today, what I'm preaching today is I'm preaching obedience, and I'm preaching trust, and I'm preaching faith. That sometimes God will give you a vision, but that vision doesn't have all the details. And you're wondering, God, how in the world is this going to work out? How in the world is this going to play out? But if you will just keep on trusting, if you will just keep on singing, if you will just keep on loving, if you'll just stay faithful, amen, God will bring every word to pass. And the man comes saying, God, what must I do to be saved? And they went on, they preached, believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he 
took him them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, God brought about a vision, but the end didn't stop there. They come. You can be seated. And they said, get out of our city. We don't want you here. So they left that city. They go into the next place. They go into Thessalonica, and there they are in the synagogue, and they were condemned, and there they were taken to, J to Jason's house. And in, in chapter number 17, here's what it says in verse 6, and when they had found them not, they drew Jason and certain brothers under the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Why? Because they followed a vision. God wants to give us a vision. He wants to speak things into our life. He wants to speak some specific things into our life. But there's more to the story. He doesn't always tell you about there's more to the story that he doesn't always give to you. And it's up to us to be faithful. He doesn't always tell us about the wilderness, but he uses the wilderness. I want them to come to the music. Here we find a passage in Psalm chapter number 23. We know the story and we refer to it often. And I want to go there again today. Because David does something. He talks about the promises of God and the beautiful things that God does. In chapter 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know that. We preached it recently. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is a specific vision that every one of us would welcome. But Psalm 23 doesn't stop there. It continues on in verse 4 into the parts that we don't always read about. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So the vision means sometimes I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He goes to the next verse. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So the vision, more to the story of the vision, is that sometimes you're going to be, you're going to be sitting down in front of your enemies. You're going to be brought before rulers. You're going to be brought before magistrates. There's more to the story. God used the unknown and the prison to reach people in Macedonia. Paul said, God, I'm willing. I'll go. I'll be what you want me to be. God gives a vision, but that vision doesn't play out the way he thought it should play out. There's more to the story. What I'm preaching today is I'm preaching that God will always be faithful. But you've got to be faithful too. That's what I'm preaching today. It's a song we sing that, that is Psalm 23 summarized. All of my life you have been faithful. 
All of my life, you have been so, so good. Yes. And then it goes into the little refrain that says, your goodness is running after. Yes. It's running after yes. me. But don't make the mistake to think that just because His goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, that you'll never encounter a prison. Or that you'll never be seated at a table with your enemies. No, in fact, that's what makes the story so rich. Your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I don't want to single you out, Brother Matt, but I love you too much. Come on. There's, there's more to the story. God called you. You ran from God. You ran out of church for a while. They may not know that. And you came back and gave your life to God. And there's more to the story. God gave you a vision and a calling. And I'm going to step out on a limb and say God never prepared you for the accident. He never told you the accident. Turn around. He never told you the accident was going to happen. Right. God gave you a vision about Waterloo, but he never told you about the nights you're going to cry yourself to sleep wondering, God, did I do this or not? Yes. There's more to the story. Yes. Brother Anderson, we watched as we thought too many times that we were losing you. Yeah. There's more to the story, but God kept you. Yes. Amen. I would dare say uh, that God used you in that season. He used what you were going through in that season to reach so many other people, to bless so many other people through your, through your music, through your song. What was that song? I'm trying to think of the title of the first project that you did that you wrote. I am blessed. Oh my goodness, that song. I have played that song so many times in my life. I am blessed. We see the vision. We don't see. There's more to the story in that. That you're going to walk through some things, but you're still blessed. You still come out singing, I'm blessed. The song still has power in prison. So I'm preaching to somebody today. This is a weird sermon. I know. I asked God, are you sure? You really want me to preach this? I'm here to tell somebody there's more to the story. I don't know what that means you're going to have to walk through. I don't know what that means you're going to have to endure. But I'm here to tell you that his mercy and his goodness shall follow you all the days of your life. Paul would go on that missionary journey and he would leave. When Paul would leave the area, he would leave the area. You know what they were saying? They are saying these are they that have turned their world upside down. Who were they talking about? They were talking about a bunch of women that didn't even have enough uh, of a a collaboration that they could start a synagogue. And and with that, God used them in such a powerful, mighty way. They were talking about the prison keeper. That's who they were talking about. These are they that have turned their world upside down. There's more to the story. God wants to use you. Would you stand together with me? God wants to use you. Too often we allow the unexpected to be setbacks. We allow the unknown to be our hesitations. There's a song we sing. 
He never promised that the cross would not get heavy or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting, but help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision. And how's it going? It seems. And the adversary says, give in. Just hold on. That's what I'm preaching today, somebody. Hold on. Hold on. Get a hold of God with everything you can. That's why now's not the time to tune back. Now's not the time to just sit back. No, now's the time that I need to be praying more than I've ever prayed it in my life. Now's the time I need to be worshiping more than I've ever worshiped in my life. Now's the time I need to be faithful more than everything in my life because I know there's going to be more to the story. I know there's some things, but I also know that God is faithful, that God will keep me, that God will sustain me, that God will take me through. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody today. Amen. That God has a purpose and a plan in your life life. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Lord, in Jesus' name, let there be a yes and an amen in my spirit. I pray tonight over every man, every woman, every father, every mother, God.